Welcome back, everyone, to the Teacher Talk podcast. This is CJ Reynolds, and I wanted to remind you that my new book came out. Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is now available at Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. And it would be available at B. Dalton bookstores if they still existed. Alas, it does not. So if you do end up getting the book, if you would please, please, please leave a comment thing on Amazon, review rather, that would really mean the world to me. It helps the book get to more people. And that's it. Without further ado, here's this week's episode of Teacher Talk. Peace. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Everybody, there's not even anyone on here yet, but uh, I'm going to talk anyway, because I mean, if someone starts watching this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not so secret wife. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, it's Sunday night, so it's Sunday night teacher talk, and here's the sort of weird thing about this is that most people are on summer break that I know, and some people just went on summer break like 10 seconds ago. Um, what's up, Imir? I see everyone signing in over here. Jessica. Selena, Patricia, Ansley, Lindsay Spades, and I am, what's up Muppet? And so most people are on spring break or Christmas, or not spring break or Christmas break. Summer. Summer break. <laughs> so, but you know, the US isn't the only country that this is kind of streaming to. It's all over the world and folks all over the world, like those, the poor people of New Zealand that don't get a summer break, you know, and I don't say that sarcastically. I, I honestly feel for you. So look, man, we have been away for a minute and, you know, I don't know if anyone even notices this stuff, but it feels like it's been a long time and my hair looks like it's been a long time too. This it's, keeps doing this cry baby thing like that <laughs> movie. Um, probably get copyrighted now, but uh, I, the end of the year was unbelievably stressful I got really sick out of nowhere and I never get sick. So I don't really handle being sick well, cause it's like, I'm not used to it, but it just came from not taking care of myself. And now we had, I was, I've been at conferences like crazy. We just got back from the ISTE conference in Chicago, which was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of people and it's a weird thing and a new thing for me to be at a conference and someone like stops you cause they know who you are. And, but it's also really exciting to be able to like, People came to our session that already knew who myself and the not so secret wife were. And, Darren. you know, and like to be just hang out with like Darren Nakagahara, like I, he's a three dimensional figure now, not just this 2D kind of person on a screen. It was like, it was super cool. So uh, let's do this. Um, I, if you have questions, right? If you're getting ready, I feel like we're going to start getting into the world of like, Maybe thinking about the new school year, but especially if you're doing like first year teaching or your student teaching or whatever questions you have, go ahead and put them in the comment section on the side. And what is something that you do in the summer that is rejuvenating to you? I think that would be a good thing for other people to be able to read. Like, is it, um, how are you kind of like taking care of yourself in the summer? And one of the things that I've been talking to my, my own children, my offspring, the ones I made about are is like being very intentional with our time. So if my, so my son, a lot of times will tell me that like, I'm not spending enough time with him. And so 
not only do I try and spend more time with him, but I want to be intentional about our time, like noting, like, do you notice that we're hanging out together right now? Or last night I was just doing comments on YouTube and he was sitting on the couch playing games. So instead of sitting on the, at the dining room table, I just went over and sat on the couch with him when we were together, which is weird sometimes because he likes to touch his feet on my feet. I don't really, the whole rule is no feet on feet. It oh, freaks me out, man. And he's not even paying attention to me. I thought he would yell at me, but they, so that kind of stuff, like you heard me, all right, is just trying to be very intentional and like take in the moment. So whether I'm taking the dog for a walk or I'm watering my lawn, like taking in all of that stuff. So what are you doing that is, is doing that? What are we looking at here? Um, Naturally, Niani, what's up? Saw you in Chicago. It was awesome. I see Franklin, my friend from Colorado. You got to be starting school this year, right? Something like that. Um, saw T with Reese. I thought, man, I miss everybody. I mean, I don't see everyone on here. So let's see. What are we missing in terms of Tracy Pinter's on there, you said? Uh -huh. Tracy Pinter. She's got that Pearl Jam hookup. Um, Colby Sharp's doing catch up and professional reading. Colby Sharp, uh, you're a great person to ask this. What are a couple of titles that you're reading this summer that you think other people should read or that you're really excited about reading if it's something that you haven't read yet? Because I, you're always like a great guy to ask to, to pick books for. Um, and all the books you sent me are 100% on my summer reading list. Um, Tracy said she saw Colby Sharp last night and Friday. Tracy Pinter did? Yeah. Is it Nerd? Is it Nerdfest? Yeah. I don't think so yet. I um, Amir, as a question, he says, um, I'm going to answer your question in just one second. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm feeling like, it's been a minute. you know, it's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, playing by the blind. Oh, it's Nikki. Um, from Washington, the woman that wants oh, to be a teacher. Yeah. So Nikki, I am planning on calling you. I just got back the other day and we're going to do a phone call this week. Uh, team Yazer Beam, I made it live. Yes, what's up, lady? How are you, sir? I don't really know because your name does not really lean one way or the other, so I'm not sure. But uh, I'm glad that you made it. Where are you from? Could you answer that? Uh, th so that's for Team Yazer Beam. Like, first of all, that's a hilarious name. Um, and second, where do you hail from that uh, you're stoked about? What's up, Lucy McLeod? Who else? Lindsay Spade says, in the summer, I feel like I do a, a full body service, doctor's appointments, dentists, haircuts, et cetera, all the stuff that you put off during the school year. That's a really good idea. I need like three root canals, but I just keep putting that off till some later summer, maybe 2020. Um, and that's a really good idea. Uh, Henry Rollins, who's like the, was the lead singer of a punk band called Black Flag in the 1980s, says that most people treat their bodies like beater cars. And then he says, like, something to the effect of, like, you were born with a Porsche. Why would you ever treat your body like a beater car? And so I think summer is a good time to, like, kind of, like, change the oil and all that stuff. Time. Aaron is saying time in nature is huge for me. I thought it said is a hug for me, which I guess could be the same thing. That's awesome. Uh, Aaron, what's, like, your favorite spot to go? Like, are you a mountains person, um, the beach, swamp? I don't really know. I don't want to judge. Uh, during the summer, I babysit and do some internships to keep myself busy. That was Ansley said that. That's uh, 
I feel like babysitting would make you tired, depending on who you babysit, how good those kids are. If it was me and my brother when we were kids, not an easy job. Kimberly Wallback is saying, hey, Reynolds just got back from Washington, D.C. Awesome. I'm going to go to uh, Maryland. I just was texting with um, Pocketful Primary today, and we're going to hang out. Uh, she's at TPT conference this week, and then the following week, we're going to go hang out and get coffee or something. Um, I love Jamie saying, I love to reorganize my house, make a better flow. I also take more time to spend with my family. Dude, 100%. We clean everything out in the summer. And like, because we're just home more. So things get so messy. I have to make my kids do cleanups like twice a day at least. Uh, let's see. Nayara, getting that name down. Um, from China saying, since I'm in, oh, you're in the US? Nice. Where are you staying in, in? Are you? I feel like you're from Detroit area or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Tracy Pinter says he drums for Candlebox. Dave Cruzan, I know exactly who that dude is. The uh, he was on. I think he recorded the Ten album, Tracy. And then I saw a video of him doing playing with Candlebox because they played uh, Alive by Pearl Jam. Which Pearl Jam, I don't really talk about this stuff too much. It's too close to my heart. Uh, what's up, B. Carry? Um, Team Yeser Beam saying, I'm Brittany from Pacific Northwest. Well, oh, man, that's a great, I would love to get up to that spot. At the conference, all these people from Pacific Northwest were just like, dude, it's the greatest. Um, where's that? So I'm not trying to skip anyone. I want to make sure I hit everybody. Uh, grad school interview tomorrow, switching gears from healthcare finance to art ed. Any advice? Oh, so can you keep an eye on some of that stuff? So, cause yeah. it's going to keep shooting by if I'm not holding it. Advice for interviews. I, one, be yourself. Don't try and be something that you're not. It's going to, it's like, uh, it's like trying to remember lies kind of, right? Like when, what is it? What a tangled wave we weave when first yeah. we practice to deceive. It's weeb, babe. That's how you say it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm from Jersey. So it's not weeb. <laughs> it is water though and not water. Um, I'd also say, make sure that you are interviewing them. So know about their program or their school or what, whatever it is that you're trying to get into and then have questions for them. I think it shows that you're invested, that you want to make sure that they are right fit for you also. And it kind of gives you a little bit like switches the leverage. You're not just going into a panel of people or even if it's one other person that is sitting in front of you asking you all the questions that at some point they're going to go, do you have any questions for us? And you're going to go, yeah, I do. And then rock them with some questions or say, Hey, on your website, or I read this, you know, online. Um, how do you feel about it? How's that fit into your program? Should I be concerned about this? Like, I think those are good questions too. And even if you're going for teacher interviews in the fu future, <laughs> dogs being weird, uh, Make sure you ask questions to the school also. I just think it, it shows a level of, like, you did your homework. Um, playing by the blind card. I just finished reading Teach Like Your Hair is on Fire. Thank you for the recommendation. Dude, it's, like, one of my favorite books. Anything by Rafe Esquith is, if you're looking for professional reading this summer, he's the jam. He's just achieved such an incredible amount of success. And even though, like... You, no matter how you look at it, right? He's in a public school. And even if they gave him the best kids, the stuff he gets out of kids is like incredible. 
And I heard a quote the other day that said something, I think it was some Navy SEAL said like, when you think you're done, right? When you've maxed out, you are only at 40% of what you're capable of. And I, I love that idea is like, nope, you can go harder, you can go further, you can push yourself more. And so Rafe Esquith to me is like the epitome of that idea. Still trying to go to California this summer. Still love to meet up with that dude. Um, we'll be in New Mexico if anybody's there. Oh, we are. We're, we're going to be in New Mexico and Western Texas this summer for Western a wedding. Midland Texas, Western Texas. Midland Texas is sort of Western Texas. <laughs> I'm trying to go to Marfa, Texas this summer because that is supposed to be one of the darkest spots on the planet, and you can see all kinds of cool stars there. And there. in our neighborhood, yeah. in Philly, you can see about four stars at any given time. It's just bright all the time. Um. Oh, brother, this guy's challenging me. Sindra? Sindra? When are you going to try my name, Reynolds? Right now? Stop! You're ruining. Oh. I'm, I'm literally. I'm, I know it's dead air. I'm trying to think, and you're messing it up. Sujindran. I see. I think it's the pronunciation, right? Like I. Folks from all over the world, like, you know, names are just different. He said, oh, man. Oh, bro. There's oh, a, no, he said you got it. Are you kidding me? Bro. <laughs> Look at that. So there's, I, I know that I'm not the only one. My children do this also. There's a family that just moved in down the block from us. They just came from India. And so... Their little boy, everyone speaks English because, you know, Americans are the only one that speak like one language. Uh, and he introduced himself to my children. And they're riding bikes out front. My son, like, keeps trying to say his name, keeps trying to say his name. And the kid keeps correcting him. And it's just, it's like the certain, like, roll of the tongue. You just can't, pick, that, that is not what you're used to hearing. And so my son just started calling him G instead of like his full name. <laughs> and the kid was just like, all right. And, and that's kind of how so it now rolls. Everybody on the yeah. block calls now him everyone G. on the block calls him G and that's just his name. But like, uh, it's hard to pick that stuff up sometimes. All right. What do we got? Uh, well, uh, either other. It says he, Stephen Herms, Herms, Herms. He said, you skipped me, but his question was, what do you think of the trade war? Which I feel like uh, so I don't, don't want to answer. That. So where, where is this question? Uh, right there. Stephen Herms is saying, what do you think about the trade war? I So uh, here's the gig. I do not pay attention to the news very much for any number of reasons. And I won't, I won't spend a lot of time on this. this is, here's my 30 second spiel on this. Because at some point I realized that the news was called that because it has to be new, right? It, there's always the, this, the news machine is always constantly pumping stuff out. And so, especially today, we're like, something comes out and then it's a big deal for about 24 hours and then it goes away. What I'm trying to do is like pay attention to the things that are either really important that like cross my path or I think have some like, like some things just get glossed over like school shootings, right? Like they're hot for a minute and then they just go away. It's like, Nope, I think we need to sit with that a little bit longer. And so I'm not real sure about what's going on with this. Um, but it's because I don't watch the news and because I also think that the news is like far too sensational a lot of times. So I, it doesn't mean that I don't care. It doesn't mean that I'm not like interested in it or that I don't think it's important. 
But at this point, there's just like so much going on that it's it's hard to focus. And because, you know, like everyone else, I mean, you know, this, the, the news outlets are so polarized that it's like they try to sound like they're not leaning left or right, but they do. And that is just problematic to me. Like, it's hard to find news that like does give you an honest opinion. So it's it's hard to 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 figure that stuff out. So that's my that's my answer. Um, Kimberly Wallback is asking, did you say whether you had a good list of summer of books for summer reading? I am reading all kinds of books this summer. How about you go in and put them on your Amazon? Uh, so here's here's what I'm going to do. I am going to put summer reading books uh, on my Amazon reading. So I have an Amazon store that I get paid like three cents for. And I think I actually have never made anything <laughs> no, from it. Yeah. And that's not why I got it. I didn't get to make money off other people's crap. But I got it so that I could have, because people ask me things like, what are, what kind of pens do I use? What kind of, or if I mention like, what kind of camera setup I have, all that stuff's just in there, just so you can see. And it's there and you can poke okay. around and see some stuff. So I'll put, um, I'll go through and I'm going to put all of my summer reading books in there. Some of them are serious. Like I'm reading a book about, oh, it was right here somewhere about monks that were from like 13th century or something like that. And it's really boring to everyone else maybe, but it's really like one of the best books I ever read. It's called the Hawk and the Dove. And then I'm reading this other like goofy book called living with a seal. I think it's called by Jesse Itzler or something like that who this dude literally asked a Navy SEAL to live with him and his wife for a month, and then he has to do everything this guy says. I saw him on the news or something like that. Here I am talking about the news after I said I don't watch the news, but he was on something, and so I checked him out. And then there's all the books that Colby Sharp sent me that I'm going to read this summer. And then I have to read the new Dave Eggers book uh, this summer. That's my summer reading book that I'm going to meet with students in the fall. We do like these coffee table, like round table things where like people will read a book and you, so the teachers all are assigned one book and then you sit with a group of students that also read that book. And instead of just doing the summer reading project, gives you just a chance to kind of like talk about it. And like, what were your notes? What did you take away? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Why? All that kind of stuff in like a less formal setting, which is nice. Miss um, Cal's Campers says, hey, Reynolds just started setting up my classroom. Damn, all right. I've already been practicing or practicing asking for forgiveness and not permission. I got to say it's working here. So who's that? Miss Cal, Miss Calls. All right. So here's the gig with that, right? For anyone has not heard me say this before and you might get in trouble. So, you know, you could blame it on me, I guess. What are they going to do? Leave an angry comment, put thumbs down. I say when you're setting up your classroom, first of all, do it in the summer right? Take whatever time off that you need. But really being in your classroom during the summer is like great because no one's bothering you. You put on music really loud. You can wear like pajama bottoms if you want. You'll look like you lost your will to live, but you know, go for it. They, but if you're in there, do stuff now because one, we all know they're not going to, they're going to have you doing all kinds of pointless PDs when you go back to school. So you really get time to make stuff great. And then do things that you, if you ask for permission, if you go to the principal, the vice principal, department head, your dean, whatever it is, they're going to probably say no. That is the stuff you do in the summer. So that it looks on point. And when someone comes in your room, they're not going to make you take it down because it's like, it looks awesome. So I did this years ago when I made, uh, if you've ever seen my classroom tour video, I have all these books 
these bookshelves in there that are maybe this big and they look like they're floating on my wall. And it there's two screws each. I have to have, what, 50 bookshelves on my wall. They're all put in there with anchors, which are like large, fat plastic screws that you screw in first. Then you put your screws into them so they don't rip off the wall. And I put all those up one summer and I didn't tell anyone if I ever have to take them down, it's going to look like, it's going to look like Swiss cheese on my wall. It's going to look like, you know, something awful happened. Um, but I did it. And then I remember the principal coming in and I had that that summer and I put up, uh, I put my like 10 foot driftwood tree in my room. And I wasn't sure if I was allowed to do either one of those, but I just did it anyway. And I remember him coming in at the beginning of the year, he's just looking around the school. And he's like, Oh, yo, man, those bookshelves look great. I really like the way that it turned out. And then from then on, bam, everything I do is in the summer. And I think at the point now where like, I could pretty much do anything that I want and I would get away with it. But uh, so I have this other cool idea that I, it might get done this summer. We're going to stack books. So say I have books stacked up on the wall behind me. And then at some point, they're going to start opening and then I'm going to nail gun them to the wall. So they're all various stages of open. So it kind of looks like that. Um, there's a children's book, so-and-so's flying books or something like that. And then they're going to like go like almost up onto the ceiling. And so I saw this in an anthropology thing on Pinterest, but it's really cool. And, you know, it's going to be beautiful. It has zero educational value, but I'm going to do it anyway. What was, uh, after this one, can you do find Aymir's question? Can we answer that for him? Because I told him it would just be a minute. Aymir, yeah. I will get to you. I promise, buddy. Um, Matthew Anderson is saying, I'm starting college in the fall. Oh, nice. Thoughts on integrated teaching credential for my, there's one fly in my house and it wants to be online. So if you see it going by, that's what it is. Thoughts on integrated teaching credential for my major comp sci slash math who versus a BA in my major then MA in education. So let me see. Hmm. Here, I'm going to tell you what I think. And then I'm going to tell you how much you don't know about this, right? So let me let me do both. One, I do not have my master's, right? So I don't, I can't speak as someone that has it. From my experience, I would see, let me, let me give you my take. If someone else in the comments, if you can speak to this a little bit more, maybe find, what was his name again? So I can tell you lost it already. Oh. So find that question where he's talking about his master's, right? Oh, Matthew Anderson. Matthew Anderson. Find his question and and maybe you can speak to this. I think whatever you think is going to better get you, put you in a better position when you're in front of students, right? And not something that's just going to look better. Because oftentimes I've known too many people that have gone back for a master's because it's going to get them $7,000 more a year or two, I think it's not even, I think it's $2,000 more a year. Or they think it's going to make them look better for a job I am a community college graduate. I went to community college for way too long. Then I went to a state school here in New Jersey, Rowan University, and which is a great school, right? I loved it. Uh, actually, I think I learned more in community college. That, that time at community college was fantastic. And so then I started teaching, but I didn't start teaching until I was 27. So I didn't, I skipped all that stuff. And at this point, I don't know if I'll ever go back for a master's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my master's on YouTube or something. But, you know, now I teach across the hall. I've worked with any number of people from like Ivy League schools, and they're no doubt brilliant. Like my friend Sarah, who was got her master's, I think her under her master's from 
uh, Harvard University is awesome. She's brilliant. She's super nice. She's so crazy smart. But I don't see that as equaling, and I'm, this is not a diss to anyone, I don't see that as equaling more success in the classroom all the time um, just because you know stuff, because your kids don't know stuff. So I would do, I would look at both of those programs and I'd figure out what is going to better make you more successful in the classroom. And then the job's just going to come when the job comes. And like, if you're awesome, people are going to know it and you'll just do a good job and that'll be great. So that would be my answer. But if anyone else has an answer in the side, look for Matthew Anderson, give him like your, your two cents also. What are you looking for? Amir, it's like too oh, far. Amir is saying, I have a question actually. Amir Williams is one of my students. He went to, he was in the Belize video and he's a fantastic human being. He wants to be a teacher one day. Um, I have a question, actually, I'm a camp counselor this summer, and I cannot get my five-year-olds to give me their attention when I need it. Um, and then it says, I have to teach them to count and read, but when they are screaming their heads off, it's really hard. I need help. I go back to work tomorrow morning. Um, these are rising kindergartners and first graders. All right, so. So cute. Awesome. I, the thought, knowing you, and the thought of that happening is awesome. I would say one, remember that it's summertime, right? So they're doing this in the summer and like nobody wants to do serious stuff in the summer. So two, make it as fun as you can. Even if you don't get through everything you're supposed to, if you can get through some of that stuff and make it fun, you're gonna have more success than if you don't, than if you just try and be serious. Uh, three, I'd be louder than they are. Think outside the box, do weird stuff, like get their attention, whether it's like um, standing on, uh, on a desk, blowing bubbles, using a megaphone. You can even get like uh, dollar store megaphones. It's pretty much just like a cone and you hold it up to your mouth and it makes it louder or doing like very small intervals of stuff. So like, all right, I never wanted to be quiet for the next three minutes this is what we're doing. Can I get three minutes? I got to get three minutes. I don't think you got, you know, I don't even think you guys can do it. You can't do three minutes. You're not, you're not tough enough. Oh, oh, you can. All right. Let's see what's going on. Yo, so-and-so mark me down for three minutes. Ready? Go. And then you jump into your lesson that buys you time. Sometimes kids just need to know when, when it's over, that there's an out and that that's not 30, 50 minutes away, that it's these short little intervals. And it's kind of like working out, right? Like if you go into workout and you just think, oh my God, I'm going to be here for an hour. This sucks. I don't even want to go to the gym. But instead, if you just know, yo, I got to put in like 60 seconds on this machine or 30 seconds or 10, if you're just starting out, then that's it. You got to rig it so you can win. That's the name of the game there. So be wacky, man. You're a fun kid. Like they're, you're never probably going to see these kids again. And, you know, who cares if you even lose the job after this, but like the, I think the wackier you can be, remember everything you're doing is for the students. So you get rid of like worrying about what other people are going to think. And if no one else is around, just go nuts and like bring those, like that will hone them in because they probably don't have very crazy teachers. Right. And so you can be that teacher that did the crazy stuff that won them over. That's what I would do. Uh, and if that doesn't work, just text me and we'll figure it out this week. B. Carrie is asking, would you be okay with my copying your blackboard chalkboard paint around the upper parts of my wall in the classroom? Love it. Yes. So I did 
a video some if i think of it can you write this down too we'll link it i'll link it below i think it's called best classroom ever or something it has like a picture of me with like christmas lights around and i have like hammers and stuff i don't know what i was thinking but i show you how to do this and the way that i do it in short is i take um a ruler i measure so in short i put painter's tape up right and then i just take chalkboard paint if you're only going to do it once and you're never going to erase it, do not buy chalkboard paint. It's like a bunch of money for a little tiny can. Get a big can of good black paint. Don't buy the cheap stuff because you're going to have to do like 79 coats. Get the paint and primer in one, like a gallon of it, and then just uh, roll it on there and there's no difference. Chalkboard paint is good if you're going to keep reusing it and erasing, but if you're just going to do it one time, just black paint. And then I get my projector and I shoot it up there. I find images that I like. When you're searching images, make sure you change the size in the top. You'll, you can figure out how to do this to large and then shoot that image up there and then just trace it real quick. No one's ever, every kid that comes in my class, I don't tell them that I drew it. They go, who did that up there? I did it. But they don't ask if I drew it freehand. No, I didn't draw it freehand. I even projected that stuff up there and just traced it, man. And then you get to put all of your books up there. Mine's actually going to change this coming year because I'm not doing several of those books anymore. And I want to put new books up there. So yeah, just trace it up there. Another thing that works really well is getting chalkboard markers. And it's like, that's the stuff that they use at like, Starbucks. like Starbucks and coffee shops. Um, they're not, it's like 12 bucks and I outline it in those. And then I go back and if I want to fill anything in, I do that with wetting, regular chalk. Wetting your chalk. Oh, wetting your chalk helps also because it makes it look nice and smooth and crisp and it makes it pop a little bit more. Um, Nayara is, do you have, this is the woman that's from, teaches music in China. Yeah, but she's from Atlanta, she said. In oh, dude. Um, do you have trouble not prepping for, do you have trouble not prepping for the next year in the summer? Sometimes I feel like I'm, crazy reading teacher books and jotting down ideas in my downtime while others easily don't work. Um, it depends. So I, so here's how I would, I would handle that. I like prepping in the summer. I like thinking about next year in the summer. I need a few weeks off, right? Like usually about two weeks off of not doing school related stuff, but you know, I think it's fun. I know a lot of people are really against it in the summer, but I am, I do what is fun for me. So that usually looks like, looking at the fun part of a project or looking at um, stuff from my classroom. If you, if you want to be intentional about it, kind of like what I was talking to in the beginning, being intentional with your time, maybe limit it to a certain amount of time during the day, like spend an hour on it a day or two hours on it a day and then shut it off and then don't do it anymore. I think that really helps us when, when you think about your day, breaking it down into little chunks. That's how I get, way more done in a given day than I think a lot of people do because I I like it's like okay from 12 o'clock to four o'clock is like just spending time with my kids nothing else is happening um after that it's like an hour of like usually an hour and a half two hours of making dinner because I'm very slow not so secret <laughs> wife's home tonight though so <laughs> she cooks way faster and um I think just chunking your day up like that like five to six is reading books. We all read a book. I, I included. And then that like is time. It gives me, it just helps me to get through my day and get more stuff done because I'm, I'm chunking it down. So that's what I would do. Uh, but yeah, whatever feels right to you though, Nayara, like that's do that. Like, you know, that I think that that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Everybody's different. 
I have friends that don't do anything in the summer and good for them. Like if that's your jam, go for it. Gail Klotman is saying, I am traveling. I am a traveling reading teacher. Oh, that's kind of, that's a very, very interesting job. I am a traveling reading teacher at an elementary level in one sentence. How can I give my kids a complete lesson in 30 minutes? Uh, so elementary, I'd say same thing. I, like breaking things down. So even on my board, right? Every day, I, I'm gonna do a video about this this summer. I write everything on the board that we're doing. And a lot of times I will put a time, um, an amount of time on those. So that does a couple of things. One, let's say we're doing, you come in and the do now or the pre-class or whatever you, you wanna call that is uh, a journal entry in my class. Like what song best represents you and why? I'll put my minimum number of sentences on there. And sometimes I'll put like something like five minutes. So you know, one, this only is going to take five minutes. So you don't have to freak out about it. You don't have to ask me 75 times how long this is going to be or how long the sentences have to be or anything like that. It also lets you know that you only have five minutes to get this done. After five minutes, bro, we're moving on. So like if you're lagging behind, you're talking to someone, you're looking for a pencil for seven, five years, like we're, we're getting, this is getting done. So you're going to be behind in a moment. So get it done in the time that you have. And then I do that for most of the activities that I have. And I think it just helps you be more efficient. The kids see an out. They see something they're looking forward to. So maybe your third thing is something that's fun, like a, a song or a dance or there's some kind of music or there's a break. And they can see like, all right, one more thing. And then I get that break. And that, I think helps kind of like sweeten the deal. It helps kids see what the next thing is. So I know my son, my, you know, the one that I made is uh, the, listen, we'll have that talk later. Um, <laughs> he always wants to know, like, when can I play video games again? How much longer do I have to clean up the house? I have to put a, a time on that. And when they were real little, I used to play songs. So we would play like Mary Poppins songs. I had the Mary Poppins album. And you had to clean up for one song, right? So like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, that song, this is all we have to clean up for. So we got to hustle. I'm like throwing things from one kid to another. They're putting it in the toy box, moving it around and getting stuff done. And it just, it helps you to get stuff done faster. So that's how I would, I would do that. Uh, Alexandra Mann is saying, well, I used to teach with Lee, Leo, man. We're getting a high high school interim principal for two whole years. Good Lord. Um, this is a very, this is very strange to me. What do you believe is the role of the principal, bro? Um, what, here goes the hair thing again. What is the role of the principal? This seems like one of those, like, Ask not what your country can do for you moments, but ask what you can do for your country. <laughs> I So here's one of my things I'm going to talk about in a video that I'm going to make later today. Uh, I think going into this year, whenever I expect something from anyone or hope from something from anyone, when you don't get what you wanted, it's it hurts bad, right? Going into this school year, I am anticipating nothing. Anything that comes that's good will just be kind of icing on the cake. And I like icing, but I don't really care for cake. So it's a good thing, I guess. But I want to 
not expect anything from anyone because then if they don't deliver, I don't have to sweat it, right? And that could be my coworkers, that can be my classroom, that can be the classes that I want, the periods that I'm gonna teach, um, how many kids are in a class. Whenever I think I know something and I go in expecting it, I'm often let down by that. So I would think about what can you do to bring to your school this year? How can you create a group of teachers that are going to look out for one another? So even if this new interim principal sucks, you guys are all looking out for one another. You're, you have each other's backs. You have someone to cheer with and someone to cry with, someone to go to if you're having a problem with a student. So if that, te- if that principal's, I mean, like, look, in the type of school that I teach in, in inner city Philadelphia, consistency is everything. Like teachers that only come in for two years, I think they do so much damage because they just like, the kids don't have, they know you're going to leave eventually. They know that you're, you're already looking at bigger and better things. But when you know someone's going to stay, they give more respect. So let the kids respect you because you're going to stick around and create that group of teachers that maybe the next principal doesn't work out after that or the next principal or the next principal. And, but you will have created a core group of people that the kids respect, that you can go to with things. And even if you're having problems with a kid, instead of just kicking them out and sending them to the principal's office, which I'm not against kicking kids out, but it, um, it gives you that core group of folks that you can say, hey, look, so-and-so, like this dude's just not cutting it this year. Let's sit down with him let's have or her and have a conversation, eat lunch with them, whatever it is, and you're working together um, as a group and not counting on the principal. So besides that, what do I think the principals should be doing? I think principals should 100% back their teachers all the time. Unless you have like literally punched a kid in the face, principals should be backing you. And then even if they don't agree with what you did, they should... I think it's ride or die, man. And then after the fact, they should be able to have that conversation. I think principals should be able to have very difficult conversations. I think all of us in life, especially principals, your success is based on the number of uncomfortable conversations that you're willing to have. The reason I've been, so this summer, this July 21st, I will have been with my wife for 23 years, right? And the reason that has happened is because we've had like, countless uncomfortable conversations in a very real way. And that lets you stick it out, man, and and work things out. So that was my answer. Good. All right. Stephanie Henry. What's up, Stephanie Henry? Um, What do you know about classroom teaching methods, grammar, logic, and rhetoric? So I know stuff, but I would say I, so I've been for the last eight years, I've been teaching literature and not, uh, composition. So freshmen and sophomore years in my school, I love that we do this, by the way, uh, freshmen have two English classes. They have composition and literature. And I basically just do literature. We read five, six novels a year. And there's another person that does like sentence diagramming, persuasive writing, grammar, all that stuff. So Stephanie Henry, I would say, shoot me an email to remind me. And then I'm going to hook you up with my homie Taz, who teaches freshman composition at my school if you want to do this he would be more than happy to share stuff with you to answer questions for you he's an awesome dude and he's really good at what he does but he would be able to answer that stuff better and he's a really good resource and it's free it's not like going on tpt where you got to pay 50 bucks for a unit plan it's just a comment oh um just well, a comment. wait well for you to read that one 
Uh, Diary of a Mad Black Teacher. It's my girl. We hung out in Chicago also. I, what she, she said, what's up earlier? Yeah. Um, was talking to my mom. I'm back now. Did you say hi to me? I feel slight. Of course I said hi to you. Hello. How are you? <laughs> it was so we went out to dinner and it when we were in Chicago and it was super fun. And it was like seeing people in real life is just a great thing. So I did say hello to you. Or actually, I didn't say it entirely because I didn't say it. Yeah, that's the not so secret wife's fault. I'm going to blame you. Um, next question. Oh, now you're pushing on the next question. Yeah, All right. So, yes, hello. And you're great. Um, team Yazer Mima saying, I'm moving into a new classroom this year. Two years ago, the previous teachers were told not no outside furniture and nothing on the painted walls, but they have they haven't told me so. Then I would go do it. Look, that, this, I don't know where they get this stuff from. Like it was it, here's what happened. I guarantee this is what happened. At some point, one person ruined it for everyone because they brought in like a couch that had scabies that they trash picked or something like that, or they brought bed bugs into the school. And someone probably went too far on like. I don't know. Come on, man. They're staples. Like we want rooms to be some place that kids want to be. How are you supposed to do that by hanging everything up with that blue sticky stuff? That stuff sucks. And it dries out in the middle of the year and your posters start falling down. And then your room looks like, you know, it's a about, scene from Twister. What about like if you put posters in frames and you use like command hooks? So do they suck? Uh, uh, they're heavy. So my wife, I, I'm not assuming people can hear her. If you use like put posters in frames, I put all my posters in frames. I think it just looks nicer. I go to Ikea, I get like the $19 frame, I put them in there. And then you don't have to worry about having 57 holes in them all the time. She's saying, what if you use like one of those command hooks that like 3M makes that you put on the wall? They're supposed to hold a lot of stuff. I would just be nervous because what if it fell and broke? You know, yeah, okay. th that that's, would be my concern. Um, I think there's ways around that. Here's my other way that I thought if I could never put holes in my wall, um, get, if you have drop ceiling, like most classrooms do, they sell hooks that go on the drop ceiling and then just hang wire from that to your posters. If they're in a frame and then they just hang against the wall, but they're really hanging from the ceiling and you might, you might have some kind of fire person come in, but like, come on, man, the room's already on fire. Posters not helping in any, uh, Julie Thompson is saying, how would you recommend handling conflict with a co-teacher? Um, I would say my first rule of handling conflicts is always to ask if, say, look, I'm noticing this and I'm wondering what maybe I did to like that, that we can work through. Like you go into it, like, even if you know it's a hundred percent them always go into it, taking them off the defense and, and, maybe an opening up to the idea that it could have been your fault. And I think that sometimes you'll find that like you did something or said something that they did not see that you didn't think was like, you thought it was a joke. You didn't think it was that serious. You know, they got hung up on it and it did like you said that one thing in that meeting one time and, and it pissed somebody off. So I think taking the blame first really, really helps. Um, because if nothing else, it's a good strategy because it catches people off guard. They're used to like, look, I have to have some uncomfortable conversation with you. This is what you did. This is what I didn't like. This is why I'm at, upset with you. And, and instead turns it on you and people don't see that coming ever. And then just have the conversation. 
The other thing I think to do is while you're listening to someone talk, whatever it is that they're going to say, don't stop them. Let them like rant and then say back to them, okay, so what I'm hearing from you is, and then say back to them the thing they just said to you. We learned this in marriage counseling years ago. It's and corny, it, but it works. It super works, right? I don't even know if that's a real sentence, thing, but like <laughs> it super works. Um, because it's showing the other person that you're not just thinking about what you want to say next, that you're actively listening. I'm actually listening to you. And sometimes saying things back, right? Like you go, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. you realize that you as the communicator were wrong. So those are my two things. Assume blame first, second, um, say back to them and say it like, so what I'm hearing is this, and then you can retort it afterwards. And I think those two things will really, really help uh, a lot. Mike Keenan is asking, any advice for getting over first year teaching anxiety? Starting my first teaching job in September and the nerves are starting to creep in. So you're going to teach, look, Mike, it is the year, I remember my first year, I remember going into my classroom in Camden, having never met the kids, I got hired like a hot minute before the school year started and I was nervous as hell. I remember hearing the bell ring, the kids get released from the cafeteria and I can hear them coming down the hallway. It was like a horde of zombies. And I was terrified. Like I immediately thought, what the hell am I doing? I just wanted to run. They came in and I remember telling kids, like giving them seating assignments. And they, like some of them didn't want to sit wherever I told them to sit, but they did. They like, they went and sat there anyway. When I asked them to get quiet, they actually got quiet. And that, just blew my mind because it's like, they really listen to you. And then look, it's not going to happen as fast as you want it to happen. It's a skill just from day one, find those kids that look like they're going to slip through the cracks. The kids that look nervous, the kids that look like, you know, the terrified ninth grader or sixth grader or fourth grader, the kid that's new to school and help them know that they are not alone. So you're taking the focus off of you and you're putting on the students in a way that you can handle. Someone's gonna come in. Someone's gonna be crying, upset, sad, nervous, not sure of anything. Look for that kid. That's your job. You're going on that first day looking out. Where is that kid located that's sitting, eating lunch by himself, not sure where he's walking in the hallway, has a schedule, he doesn't know where to go, he doesn't know how to open his locker. Your classes are gonna be your classes and they're gonna roll out, they're gonna roll out. But just knowing that from the jump, you're looking for someone that needs you, you can find five, 10 of those kids. What's up, kid? Uh, and I think what that does is it empowers you on that first day instead of just letting you go in, feeling like you're nervous because you, oh my gosh, I have bunny ears. You are uh, only, eight, you're throwing my thought. That was, that was YouTube gold there, girl. What's up, babe? Um, it's going to empower you instead of like just making you feel like you are, you can only do with what you got. Like, no man, go in there and like change someone's life on the first day. Let them like, they came in terrified and you hooked it up. Uh, Marie, Miss D that's a cool name says, I still have to teach gun culture in the U S to 17 year old. Good Lord. Uh, that sounds interesting in good and bad ways gun culture in the u.s to 17 year olds do you have any recent pop culture ideas i could use 
to make my students understand what the deal is. So what does that class look like? Gun culture in the U.S., it sounds really – so here's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like at a time where, like, the gun control is such a hot topic from – the, you know, that awful shooting that happened in, it was Virginia or Maryland, that kind of area gets blurry sometimes, the other day in Annapolis, um, to the rec- all the recent school shootings and stuff. Like, what a great thing to talk about. One of the things I show, and, and I, I don't try and like, I don't try to lean left or right in my classroom. I just try and show stuff that I think is interesting. Um and I like to show stuff that pisses kids off sometimes because I because it might lean completely the other way from what they like because it gets the conversation started. I would show uh, what is the video called? If you look up Bowling for Columbine, there's the Michael Moore. Maybe let's link this in, in the show notes. So I, I'll link this in the show notes as soon as the video is over. I just have to go find it and then I'll get the link and I'll put it in there. Um, when Michael Moore's Bowling for Columbine came out. The guys that created South Park made a very short video about um, the history of gun control in the United States. And I'm not saying that I agree with it or disagree with it, but I am saying that it captures kids' attention because it moves very quick. It's the same sort of animation that South Park is, which the kids already like, and it gets the conversation started. I thought the, um, what was it? Who's the guy that played the Childish Gambino video that came out this year? Had a lot of interesting stuff in it. Um, I think asking kids just their opinion about that kind of stuff. Like, where do you stand on gun control and why? And then sometimes I'll do this. I, you know, you might want to use different language. I don't know if I don't want to be offensive. But, like, I sometimes ask someone in class on the low to be the devil's advocate. And what they're really doing is just like starting crap. So their job, maybe two people, if you have a large class, is to just push back against anyone's argument, even if they don't agree with it, right? So someone might say, I believe in gun control and everyone should be able to own guns in the United States if they want to, right? It says in the Second Amendment. And even if Tim, who sits in the back of your class, agrees with that, his job is to go, yeah, but I don't think the Second Amendment has to do with this. And, and because what that's going to do is, too often kids just want to agree. And if you can get someone who likes starting crap to just push back against any topic, what that's going to do is teach kids to have healthy arguments in your classroom. And that's really what I think those classes are about. It's like, how can we have a healthy argument about something? How can we, in a safe place, talk about something that different people are going to have different points of view? I think that that's a really great way. And there was another thing I was going to say about that that I would use also. If I think of it, I'm going to say it, but I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Laura Campion? Campion says, hey, Reynolds, what are some of the biggest skills you think students should have leaving high school and heading into college? So I'm going to say this, Lauren. I've been reading in the last six months a lot of Seth Godin. And so if you look up Seth Godin, he has really cool TED Talks. And he doesn't try to like hit you over the head with like, he's like short and sweet kind of stuff. Like even his blog is really short and sweet stuff. Seth Godin says kids should learn two things in, in school, how to read or it's either how to lead. I think it's how to lead and how to solve interesting problems, right? Everything else is nonsense. Like, like, 
learning how to do math is really just, you're trying to get kids engaged into solving interesting problems. Science, same thing. Um, I would also say reading is, is a big thing and thinking critically, right? I don't think students, I think students being able to have conversations that are difficult require them to solve interesting problems. How am I going to get my point across? How am I going to convey this, this point that I have? And I just think that teaching kids to have arguments and being comfortable with not being in the majority is just crucial because then they're not afraid to like think outside of the box to stand alone on a topic while the rest of the class believes one way. You're not afraid to go the other. And giving kids a safe place to do that, it's like learning how to box in a ring with a with a coach as opposed to like learning on the street, right? Where, you know, it's not safe and you might get your teeth smashed out. So I, that that's what I think. So that's what Seth Godin has. Seth Godin wrote a really interesting short book. It's free online called Stop Stealing Dreams. And I, I can link that below also. It's it's free. You can either read it as a PDF or on your Kindle or whatever, or you can I print it out because I like feeling the pages. Um, but that is I, that's a really good take on some of his points on education. My girl naturally Niani, what's up, girl? Said we talked about uh, we talked about me motivating teachers and creating a safe place to talk about tough topics. What do you feel teachers need motivation in? I think so. My girl, naturally, Nian, and she has a YouTube channel, also is has an after-school program where it's like women kind of, I think I'm getting this right, women sort of mentoring young women and empowering them, right? And so what do I think teachers need motivation in? I think teachers need motivation in, in one, self-care. Like if you're not at your best, you can't help someone else. It's the old, like, put your own oxygen mask on before you help somebody else. And because when you're at your best, you can be your best. And then that was a stupid quote. But um, I think the other thing is like, just not being afraid. Like when you, when first year teachers tell me that they're going to like play it safe until they have tenured, that's three years and a day in, right? You're, you've already set your path. You can't think later that I'm going to be my, it would be like someone thinking I'm not going to be myself until we're married. Like we're dating, recording. I'm going to be the person they want me to be. You're never going to be yourself, man. And what kind of crappy surprise is that for someone like, Oh, they really have a belching problem, right? Like now this is going to get messy. So I, I just think that like practicing being yourself in the classroom with other people, it's going to make your whole life better. And being not afraid to have hard conversations, be, be real with kids. Don't sugarcoat stuff, be honest. And that can come out of a place of deep caring. It doesn't mean you're a jerk or you're just trying to like be tough on kids all the time. It can come from a, from a good place. And it also lets you have conversations with kids that you wouldn't normally have that like, you're not kind of afraid to have or something like that. Um, we're like, we talk about everything in my class from like, sex, drugs. I had a kid asking me one day, he's like someone at one of their friends from some other school got kicked out for like bringing weed to school or something like that. And the question was, Reynolds, do you think 
um, he should have got kicked out for bringing weed to school. And then that turned into, what do you, how do you feel about kids doing drugs? And it was a real honest conversation. I'm not going to hide my point of view, but I also know where I'm coming from. Like maybe if I wanted to promote kids doing drugs, like I wouldn't share that, but I just told them, you know, in short, like, I just think when you're that young, you're already trying to figure yourself out, do it without an aid of something else, right? Like, you know, I remember when I was young, like music was like a drug to me. It it was like, it could open my mind up. It would make me have like thoughts I didn't usually have. And, And so I just don't think you need that stuff when you're younger and you're trying to figure yourself out. Like, like slow down, like don't grow up so fast that you feel like you need to do all this crazy stuff. Um, and it was a great conversation, but I'm never afraid to have those conversations with my students. Uh, Amanda teaches is that what's up, Amanda is saying, I know that name that so when I say someone's name again, it's just because I get excited because I know that name. I'm taking over student leadership, ASB, class events, dances, etc. Students at my school don't participate, don't participate in school functions at all. Advice for taking over ASB at a tough school plus build school spirit. I would say make the students a part of the conversation. That's the number one thing. What do so too many times I think schools create things that they think the kids are going to like, but they never like ask the kids. That would be like if you were growing up and your parents only ever got you stuff for Christmas that they thought you would like. And my parents have bought me any number of things that they thought I would like that I didn't like. But it's like have the kids make essentially their Christmas list and then buy things off the Christmas list. So do you want to have a dance? What kind of dance do you want to have? What hasn't worked out in dances before? Why don't kids go to dances? Why are they corny? What would make them better? Um, it's like my town that I live in right now, there's a big push. There's a lot of kids making noise because they want a skate park in the town. But the town is built like tons of other things that no one uses. They don't use all the baseball fields. They don't use the, all the, well, they do use the basketball courts, but like, you know, the playgrounds are just like graffitied and like no one really uses them partially because they have no trees and who the hell wants to sit in the hot sun? It's 98 degrees out. You like burn your butt off going down those sliding boards. But if they just built what the kids wanted, it would get kids off the street, would give them somewhere to do skateboarding because everyone gets pissed off and they're grinding down their, their bank railing or you know using their handicap ramp to do tricks ask the kids build a small group of kids what do you all want what do you think would bring people in what don't you want and i think that becomes a better conversation when you involve the children and and i think that's that's how you handle that laura campion is also asking have i ever been trained in responsive classroom maybe but i feel like there's so many different names for stuff could you real quick Tell me what that is, and then I would know, because otherwise I'm going to just make up what I think it is. I think you're writing all your notes tonight, wife, on paper, <laughs> on paper towels that look like our children got served lunch on Wait, them. what? Yeah, mommy's writing all of her notes on a paper towel that looks like it has crumbs from sandwich. Oh, sandwich. me and Noah were playing a game. <laughs> That's for later. That's a yeah, story. Tell me about your game with Noah in a minute. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Another one? No, I said, oh. so I did a question, and then Noah answered it on the paper towel. Right. That's actually adorable. You um, are adorable. Looking for a question. Oh, there Dust, it is. Dust, Dustin. Dustin. My man. So look, yo, if you haven't checked out Dust Tales, it is uh, a takeoff of DuckTales, the 90s television show. My friend Dustin has a show or has a channel on there. 
and he is it is he has really great edits he storytells really well and he has a very unique life um that i just think he dustin is actually so dustin i, I was going to talk about this with you later but whenever i think of someone that has like um so like a teacher that contacted me that is blind was thinking about like could she be a teacher because she's blind? I always send everyone to your channel. I'm like, yo, if Dustin can do this, like, and have the spirit to do it and the passion to do it, like, people should just check out your channel more. Um, that. So, uh, so Dustin's, in, he is, quadri I think, quadriplegic um, and teaches high school and does all kinds of fun and interesting stuff. Um, and I just think it's like, it's really inspirational to me. So Dustin's asking, how important is it for a teacher to agree with school policies? Oh, brother. Um, for instance, had an interview and the school said their policy for teachers is to accept late work for full credit up to the last day of nine weeks. Jesus. Uh, I would say that's tricky. I'm trying to think of what I would do in that situation. Um, cause I, I'm thinking of that because, you know, anyone that watches my channel knows I don't do late work. I don't do, um, you have, if you're absent, you have the number of days you were absent to make up the work. So if you're out sick for two days, you have two extra days to make up the work. And if you get a lot of work, like I, there's movement in that. It's not hard and fast, but it's that, that's my typical go-to for that. How would I work at a school? So it would depend on a couple of things, right? So like, if you're looking for a job for a while, if you don't feel like there's another job available for you, I'd, you know, go with it and just take the job and you can be rigorous in other ways. Overall, I like the idea of really agreeing with this hair is like, looks like it has a question. I like the idea of really being on board with what my school is doing so that we're not butting heads. But if they told you from the jump, that's how they do it. I'd almost find out what their reasons are, right? Like maybe they have reasons. Maybe if like, I think you and I talked a little bit about the school that you're in before. If you are at a school where kids maybe have lost hope, where they have are fighting a lot of other battles and school's just part of that, then maybe they're building in that win so that it helps kids to succeed. But maybe there's some other ways around that. Maybe there's like, you get like, late work is maybe a harder thing that you have to do or um i, I don't know or like push kids to not have late work I, I think there's a bigger conversation there and it would take like knowing the school knowing the staff knowing the reasoning for that but i wouldn't not take a job just because i didn't believe in that and for me for me it would be for that particular question i would still take the job but there are other things that like if a school said like you cannot have like you cannot have like building relationships was kind of frowned upon i can't work at that school if you know but even in that right so i, I mumbled on this because it's a, it's a difficult conversation you know also you have a family to take care of so like is your is that a bigger deal and then you just keep looking for jobs like you take the job even though you're against that and then you want to make money to help support your family, like that might be play a part of that also. So 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so school matters with principal Royster. Oh, so here you have, uh, this could be good. Um, I've been in a school with no zero policy. It worked reasonably well. What was, so principal Royster, I'm assuming that's your name is what was the school's take? Like, why did they do that? What, what was the, um, the, the rationale behind doing that? Because I know some schools do it. The, the thing I think of is like, the reason I'm against it is because I feel like it it makes your class too soft. It doesn't teach the kids to learn things like deadlines um, and really adhering to school policy and it allows kids to just kick it for nine weeks and then they awesome. hand in all the work. So, and, and I, I think that's a bad habit in general. So I'm just wondering like why that, how that, that came about, like why would that be done? Um, Jessica's saying, I've seen it done well. And a lot of times students serve detentions to finish work, but there are still those with consequences for late work. It was at a Title I school. Yeah, I've seen that work too. So yeah, I'm just wondering that. And then um, Dustin, I would check out that comment in a second. And maybe we can get back to that. We're at over an hour. So I don't want to make this go on too much longer. Uh, oh, Jessica, Jessica, you and your name. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's because of my inability. Jessica, Daniel, Owicks, Danielle Owicks, Danielle Owicks. Maybe I'm saying that right. Maybe you can let me know. I am going to teach. I'm going to be teaching in a school that is 40% Hispanic. What advice do you have for learning about students, different cultures and ethnic backgrounds to be more effective teacher? First of all, that is an awesome question. I would say this going into I, so my old school was about 40% Hispanic. We had a lot of students that spoke Spanish as their first language that came from Puerto Rico, Mexico, Dominican Republic. And I think asking questions, make, be the learner, right? Like let kids know like, hey, look, you're here. I'm here to teach you. You're here to learn. I want to know more about you. The more I know about you, the better I can teach. Like I didn't know what a quinceanera was. I, well, they did have an outdoor, the Explorer one time, but like I didn't know what that was when I was, uh, starting to, my daughter is asking what taxes I'm talking about Dora the Explorer. I didn't know about a lot of things culturally, like the fact that like how much my female students were being asked to do at home or any number of other things like different kinds of foods. And once I started asking questions and not trying to come off like some kind of like, you know, I, I, I was not afraid to look like a dumbass and asking questions led to like kids bringing in all kinds of food to like me learning a little bit of Spanish and and mixing that up and it just kind of makes it fun and lets kids see that like you are a learner also. I say also know your neighborhood that you're teaching in. Like don't just drive from your house to your school and then that's it. Like drive around the neighborhood, find out like, yo, where's a good spot? Like you eat Puerto Rican food or people, your kids will inevitably ask you like, do you know what this kind of food is or this or this? Um, I don't, but like, what's a good spot in the neighborhood that I could try that out and then come in and be like, yo, I had this and, um, I had plantains or pantalillos or, you know, my kids used to talk about mayo ketchup. This was a thing that I thought was some culturally <laughs> mind blowing thing, right? Like when my kids, like when Romina would always try and get me to eat cow tongue and which is still not, not done. But I find out, I find out that it's just mayonnaise and ketchup mixed together. And they're like, 
no Reynolds it's mayo ketchup and I'm like wow, what what's is this delicious it, it is awesome man and you take fried plantains or like they would squish plantains fry them this is there's no way this shit is there's there's no way to uh, try not to curse but no way this is healthy and you dip it in mayo ketchup is just really man is ketchup dude it's awesome man that and a corona in the summertime all, right, all world sorry I got a little excited about that one so that's what I would do become the learner and learn the community also um, emerging educator is oh emerging educator what's up girl um, I met her in, in Chicago also any advice for dealing with students who are nonverbal um look i think the same thing with kids that are like have any number of issues you meet the kid where they are and you i think oftentimes if we just love people for who they are and not for who we want them to be or who we like and i don't mean that in a bad way what you want for someone could be very healthy it's like you just want your kids to learn how to swim or to ride a bike or whatever it is like but not everyone's ready. And the best way to get them to be ready is to be like, dude, it's all right. Like, I'm just here for you. And we're going to do this. Like, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Eventually, you'll find that window where you can say, no, let me, let's push you a little bit. Like, just tell me like, um, what's your favorite movie? Right? Well, they're nonverbal. So what I so, would say, oh, okay. my advice for that would be like, you have to really be observant and watch them and watch and learn what makes them tick. They still have things that interest things that make them happy. Like, I would assume that a nonverbal would, you, you really need to pay attention to them like, yeah. as best as possible to, to kind of figure out what, what they're interested in. What makes and them I would happy. also say, like, I feel like a kid that is nonverbal could easily fall under the radar, especially Absolutely. if they're well-behaved. So not letting them fall under the radar. Like, um, make sure that you are letting them know that you see them every single yeah. day. Like, there's my homie, there's my girl, there's, you know, whoever it is. Like, I'm so glad that you came to school today. Like, I love your your dress, your shoes, or whatever you have. Like, helping them to feel, the more they feel comfortable, I think the more they're going to engage in your classroom. And let me ask you to do one more thing, girl. Um, can you shoot me an email and remind me that we talked about this question? It can just be like two sentences. And I want to hook you up with a friend of mine, my friend, Miss Yonkers, who's the head of special ed in my school, used to teach in Florida or not Florida, in Hawaii, where she taught life skills. And she had a number of nonverbal kids in her class. And she had some, I, we have talked about this at length. And she had some really great stories and ways that she was able to engage with kids. And I can just shoot you an email to her and she's lovely, like super lovely. And you would love talking with her. So, and she has some great ideas. Um, are we doing a bunch yeah. more or what are we doing? Well, I'm trying to I mean, I'm down stuff. to do this for, I mean, there's a lot of people watching, I'm but I just to finish up where we are. So okay, cool. Like I don't, but I don't want to like not do it for anyone, but I don't right, mind yeah. talking. I want to finish people's questions. Sure. Amram Nemeth, Nemeth. Uh, I'm not sure where to put the accent there. It's saying, my oh, brother, my salary itself does not cover my expenses, so I need to do a lot of private tutoring. I hear you. However, it comes in expense of my regular day job and affects my teaching and preparing. Any thoughts? So, look, this is, it's the worst, right? It's like schools, the education system suckers you into the job because you care about the kids and they know you care about the kids. So we could pay you a lot less money because we know you're going to do it anyway because you want to do it for the betterment of the world and for children all over. However, what do you do when you can't make enough money? I would say one of the, so one, 
um, raise your tutoring price, right? I, I, oh. you don't like that? <laughs> well, as someone who might have to pay for private no. tutoring, so look, like, <laughs> and this is, um, we're looking at reading tutors right now, and they cost an arm and a leg. But a lot I of those teachers, like, yep. so maybe you have like a, like you figure out people's situation, right? So like if someone can't afford it, you know, someone's having a hard time or whatever, you can cut your price. But yo, like, so look, can I talk about you cleaning? Oh, okay. So when we moved back from Africa, my wife and I lived in Africa years ago for a brief amount of time. When we came home, my wife wanted to start an organic um, cleaning service and she made all of her own cleaning products. And she, so my wife, we lived next door at the time to someone who charged $25 an hour to clean. And they thought that was like huge, right? So, but if they could clean someone's house in an hour, they got paid 25 bucks. If it was two hours, it was 50 bucks. And my wife just started going to just wealthy neighborhoods and, and looking at someone's house and just highballing it. I will clean your house. It'll take me about three hours. I'm going to do it for 300 bucks. Right. And, and folks were like, all right, like do it. And people will, there's always someone out there that will pay that much. And if you think about it, some folks won't take your cost because like if they, because they want high end stuff, they want to tell their friends, Oh my gosh, I have to pay a hundred dollars an hour for my kid's tutor. And because you think you're getting, something better. Yo, would you ever buy a shirt from J crew and it looks just like something you would have bought at old Navy, but you like going to J crew because you want people to know you got, you went to J crew because you think it's a higher quality product, but it's not, I think they're actually owned by the same damn company. So it's not always a better product. So I would say, sorry, bro, bro doesn't like when I curse. Um, I would start by maybe thinking about raising your price. And if you still want to teach like maybe disadvantaged kids or kids that can't afford that much, lower your price for them. Nobody's going to know. Do it, Do what you want. The second thing is I did a video, and I'm, I'm pushing this because I think it's a good idea, did a video for a company called Dada ABC, which is essentially it's scripted tutoring online. You teach um, from almost anywhere in the world. You teach kids from China how to read. And you don't have to do any lesson plans. It's all on TV. You could literally do it. You have to wear one of their shirts, but you could wear pajama bottoms if you wanted to while you're doing it and slippers. And that is, they pay like, I want to say $30 an hour, which is really good for not having to leave your house. If it's raining outside, if it's hot, if you run out of gas, if you're so broke that you can't even afford to take the bus to where it is, that helps also. So that that's what I would do. Um, I don't think that they're, Teaching his day job sucks is bad. Like teachers are so hard on themselves. Yeah, so, yeah. My wife's saying like, take it easy on yourself. Like maybe your school day doesn't suffer as much uh, as you think it does. Like sometimes I think we think, oftentimes something was didn't go off. So someone's lighting fireworks in front of my house right now. Um, we think we're worse than we actually are. So. Time to Teach is saying, I have taught first grade for the past five years and moving up to third grade. I am so excited. However, I'm a little nervous. Any advice for moving up in grade levels? So first to third grade, look, I I think third grade would be a blast. Um, I've gone in and helped in my own children's classes over the years, and there's always a certain level of madness. I just think third grade is a really great time because the books are kind of more fun. 
they're better. You're doing harder stuff. There's a lot of room for like kind of more independent projects and stuff. Here's what, here's what I think you do to get over the nerves. Find stuff this summer that's super cool that you can implement into your lessons. And that's going to make you excited about the year. And no, just no. Some kid, just like I answered this question earlier, some kid is going to show up terrified in third grade. Their dad's in the army and they just moved to town. They're always moving around. And they don't have friends. They feel like a nerd. They got new glasses. They have, well, I guess you don't wear braces yet in third grade, but like someone's going to feel lonely. Show up for that kid and your day is instantly better. You're instantly empowered. And just know that if you are thinking the class is going to be awesome, the class is going to be awesome. Like just decide that it's going to be awesome. No one's ruined. Guys, you lucked out. This is why I tell my students every year. You lucked out, man. You got me as your teacher, and I love teaching. And this year is going to be awesome. And here's why. And then I list all the cool stuff that we're going to do. Does this give kids a false sense of hope that we're not going to do any work and that's not going to actually be grueling sometimes? Yep. Do I care? No, because I want to start the year on that high note. And we really are going to do all that stuff. It's just not going to be every day. There's not a speaker coming in or a cool trip or something magical happening. But the magic does happen. And so build that in and get excited about that. And then I think that that makes the fear and anxiety go away. What do you got for me? Laura Campion, again, I hope I'm saying your name right, Laura, is saying, thanks, Reynolds. Where will you be for PD in the upcoming school year? Uh, I, for, like, where am I speaking? Um, I don't know yet. Uh, I'm working on a number of things, but Chicago is actually my last gig there's like a possible Princeton gig in New Jersey coming up. There's a number, there's a, there's a lot of possibilities coming up. So I'm, I'm really trying to work on that. And I want to do, I want to double my number of speaking engagements this summer or next year that I did this year. So if anyone's looking for someone, hit me up. Um, and then my homie, Alex Kajitani, the California teacher of the year, the rapid mathematician, he's, that's all one dude. He's going to be speaking in Jersey somewhere this year too. In August, I'm going to go see him and hang out and like sell books for him and stuff. Um, got something for me? Yeah. Like you're still sitting there in your bathing suit. We were at the she pool right before we got. No one can see your bathing suit. Still in your yeah, mom's suit. just like still chilling in the bathing suit. I'm starving, man. I haven't eaten. New crazy thing my wife has me doing is intermittent fasting. I am happy doing it. You have me doing Yo, girl. You have me doing it. So we essentially drink coffee in the morning with ready, butter, and heavy cream in it. We've been doing that for a while, but it really makes you not hungry for most of the day. I think I had a handful of almonds a while ago, but now, what, it's 6 o'clock or something like that? After 6 o'clock, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm starving. Um, so I'm I'm sorry I was dealing with that. Yeah, okay. Um, Hold on, I'm oh, coming back. I'm, the I'm principal looking. said something. Here you go. Oh, so oh, so in regards to Dustin's question, Principal Royster is saying the feeling was that students quit too easily. The punishment, quote unquote, punishment was that they had to do work regardless. I'm sympathetic to the no consequences argument. I think that's a great idea, and I think so. I think a lot of that stuff is like how you're communicating it to the students. And so a lot, sometimes when my school does stuff that I don't believe in, I have two choices. I can either make believe it's something that I care about so that the kids are more likely to do it. Oftentimes I'll say, look, man, I don't agree with this. I think it's a bad idea, 
but I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the school because this, these are the homies that I chose to kind of get down with. And that's who I'm going to, like, I'm going to ride it out with them because I think it's important to them. Just like sometimes things I don't want to do that are important to my wife. I look at my wife and I say, for you, I do this. Like, I don't like putting the air conditioning on in the car all the time. My wife does. She gets hot very easily, especially after having two babies kind of messed up her internal temperature somehow. And so she'll say, can we please put the air on? You know what, hon? And I'll call my wife hon ever. Um, you know what? For you, I do this. And I think you can do that with your school also. Uh, what do I got? Caitlin? Caitlin Brodus. These are the last two? Yeah. All right, cool. Caitlin Brodus is saying... I just got my first job after college as a freshman on the on level as a freshman on level English teacher. Okay, I was reading that wrong, um, but I am way more comfortable with pre AP and AP kids. Any advice for teachers um, for teaching them the best that I can? All right, I know that I read that all crazy. I would say. Coming out of college, you're always going to be more comfortable with AP kids because you're coming from that mindset. You're coming from the mindset of like having those classes, having those high level conversations. Like we all know that like if I was an English major, English major classes, taking literature classes in my freshman year of college compared to the ones I took in 12th grade, it was like the difference between like being on a baseball team where no one really, there was like two people that wanted to win and being on a baseball team where everybody wants to win, right? You're engaged. You, this is your jam. Help those kids find the joy in it. And even if they don't become lifelong readers and it doesn't completely change them, they can at least see why you care and why others care so deeply about reading because it's magic because it's like it's like entering a time machine it's like seeing inside someone's brain and seeing their most vulnerable thoughts and then being able to engage with that and to to reading something that recognizes the pain and the excitement that in you that's what you're conveying to students and that's what you should be working on so help meet those kids where they are and then help push them you know, even if it's a little bit more this year, you know, you don't have to get them to want to be AP students, but you can push them a little bit harder and help them to grow. That's what I would focus she on this year. She's worried about them seeing her as a teacher because she makes oh, special like a friend or a being girl. so young. Sometimes they see me as it seems uh, they see me making them feel special as being a friend or a bro. I'm worried about uh, seeing me as a teacher. Tell them, bro, I'm not trying to be your friend, right? Friends come and go right? That's, this is why I tell my guys, friends, you don't like your friend, you get rid of them, right? Friends do weird stuff for one another. What I'm trying to be is a mentor. Mentors don't go away. Mr. Miyagi didn't go leaving Daniel after he couldn't do a damn crane kick a bunch of times. Like, no, you stick by those dudes. And even when, you know, and that's a whole, now we're going into Karate Kid too, which I don't really want to do. But um, I tell kids, I'm not going to let you get away with that. And it's so here's the situation. You tell a kid, you get them in trouble, they get in trouble for something they did in your class, right? And then they're like, how could you do that? We were so close. I thought you were my friend. I'm not. I care about you more than a friend. Or I'm the friend that's not afraid to tell you how it is, to tell you how it's going to go down because I care so deeply for you that I am willing to have this difficult conversation, this difficult moment in our in our relationship because I care that much about you. That's how this is going down. I'm not going to like tell you things you want or just be nice all the time. No, man, because that's not what you need all the time. Any good coach or mentor 
knows how to weigh those situations, when to be kind and when to come down hard. And that's the, that's the balance that you tell them you're going to find with them. Here, last question. Last question is Brittany Godbay. Is that right? Look right to you. You always, can you please be better at this than I am so you can help me out? It's saying, during the summer, I feel so much more rested and charged, finding time to care for my, for finding time for self-care and family. Do you have any tips to continue that during the busy school year? Make time for it. You have to literally schedule it into your time and then nothing else. It is non-negotiable time. So for me this year, it was getting a massage. That's something I don't, it's like on a whim, I'm not going to do it. But if I schedule it three weeks out, that date is set in stone. Nothing gets in the way, because especially because massages are expensive. Um, you know, maybe it's like uh, you want to go out with your friends or you want to go on a date night or something like that. Sometimes my wife and I, we've had years where it's like every month we're going on a date. We would schedule them in advance find Groupon so you can go to that place you really want to eat and it's a little bit cheaper or you go some one of our favorite date nights ever right is going to McDonald's and just getting french fries and milkshakes <laughs> and we know it's not good for you but like just cruising around listening to music drinking milkshakes and eating french fries but you have to schedule it so that you actually do it and whether that's the gym whether it's getting a pedicure a manicure a facial um a massage, going on a date, doing something fun with your friends, like schedule it out so that it's set in stone. And that is the way that I found success in doing that. Anything else? That's it. Is that it? Okay. Cool. All right, guys, this is it. I'm back. Let's do, uh, I'm going to have a video hopefully coming out tomorrow night where I'm going to talk about um, like the, it's the, my reflection on the end of the year, like so much my year I thought was going to be the greatest year ever. And then a month and a half in, I got sucker punched so bad, and my year was a struggle. It was like treading water at the deep end with no one to help you out of the pool, right? <laughs> and then I made it, right? My it, my school year felt like I was driving a Porsche with a donut on it. And so I want to talk about that a little bit and how what I learned from that and, and all that stuff. So look, if there's anything else I can help you with, if I didn't help you here, please send me an email. I really, really try to get to every email. It sometimes takes me longer than I want it to, but it's because I'm trying to comment and answer every comment and all that stuff. So please let me know. Um, and what else? The other thing here, I have a question for you real quick. My One of my other series I want to do this summer is I want to focus on kids that are on the fringe, right? And some of my ideas for that are autistic students. What do you do when you're in your classroom? Dyslexic students. Um, students that have had family members that have been imprisoned. What are some of the other kinds of kids that you've seen in your classroom that are on the fringe that people aren't talking about enough? That there's not enough literature, there's not enough TED Talks, there's not enough stuff, maybe on YouTube or elsewhere. Where can I focus my time and effort to shine a light on students that are seldom have a light shown on them? That's what I wanna kind of talk about. So if you can leave that in the comment section below, um, I would love to, to, to try and find some expert to bring on to talk about that stuff. Guys, like and subscribe if you could. Pass this on to someone if you think that they could use it. And thank you so much. I really, really, I really care about you guys. And I think that you're awesome. Thanks for spending your summer talking about teacher stuff and doing this for the kids. You're awesome. That's it.
Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.